Hey guys, welcome back to Unpopular. There's a lot to talk about today, as always. I have Kiki Monique from the Talk of Shame Instagram fame on the pod today. She's coming up in a bit. We get into all of this, like, Bethany TikTok stuff, a little bit on BravoCon, Kanye West, Candace Owens. Where the hell did all the BLM money go? That's what I would like to know. Well, we actually do know where it went, uh, which we get into. And uh, didn't go to the people, honey. Uh, We also talk about how we're perceived in the online space which is funny because, you know, people don't expect us to be friends and my listeners will message me and go, oh, she's so woke, like, I had to unfollow her and then her people that follow her message her and go, oh, my God, he's so problematic, he's this, he's that, like, don't, you know, talk to him, don't give him a platform. And then in reality, she and I are, like, totally cool and we get along very well and have no issues and actually agree on many, many things. Uh, So it's just, you know, all of you crazy people. There's a few things I want to get through before I bring Kiki out. Um, The Housewives of New York reboot cast was just announced I'm only acknowledging this because I know that if I don't, I'm going to get like a million messages of, oh my God, did you see the new cast? I don't really care. Um, It's all over socials at the moment, but I'm just waiting for the show to drop and I'll check it out then. You know, I don't need to obsess over like, oh my God, you know, here's a blurry iPhone image taken from a hundred meters away. And, you know, the new housewife Lizzie's filming at a cafe and she looks like she's having drama. Like I'll just watch it when it comes out. And judge it then, and it is what it is. I refuse to get hyped over anything Bravo-related, uh, especially after the Bravo fandom said that they were crying and they had full-body chills over the Housewives of Dubai premiere. I've never seen anything so incredible! And then, like, two weeks later, the ratings were in the fucking toilet, and we all kind of collectively agreed that it was the worst reality show ever made. Now, maybe the Roni reboot will be good, like Miami was good, Could be excellent, could be terrible. We will see when it drops. Speaking of Miami, uh, the trailer for the new season of uh, Housewives of Miami is out. It's very focused on Lisa Hochstein's uh, divorce, which I guess is pretty good for her, you know, reality TV career because she did not do much last season. I was like, girl, are you a friend of the show? Like, she was not in the mix that much. Um, I was not blown away by the trailer, but... Last season was very, very good. It was, like, one of the best Housewives shows I've seen in a long time. I feel like it injected the franchise with some sort of much-needed new energy, and it was a good example of um, how to kind of update the franchise, I think, in a good way, Um, whereas Dubai was, like, the fucking opposite of that. That was, like, how to bury the fucking franchise into the ground. So... I am going to check it out. Uh, I think right now Miami, Beverly Hills, and Potomac, they're kind of the essentials if you want to be into Housewives and everything else you can just kind of like toss aside for now. I am going to start watching the new Netflix show, The Watcher, tonight. So I might talk about that next week on here if it's interesting. Um, If it's not, then I won't. Uh, (laughs) It's another Netflix show that I'm watching after I called Netflix trash. I said, oh, my God, there's nothing good on Netflix. Like, who would watch Netflix? It's trash. Literally, like, the day after I recorded that pod, I think all I've watched is just Netflix shows back to back. Uh, This one is from Ryan Murphy, so it could, you know, go... Either way, hopefully Janet Mock didn't get her hands on this one, like Dharma. Um, It does have Naomi Watts, who you know that I love. I think she's the best. So, I'm, you know, happy to watch her in anything. And then Bobby Cannavale is in it, the hottest man on earth. He is so fine. I also love Rose Byrne, his wife, and they're just such a... uh, such a genetically blessed couple. I really, really like them. Oh, and she's Australian, another amazing Australian actress. Seriously, Australian actors and actresses, 
we're the top. Well, not we, because I'm not one, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, I first discovered Bobby in the movie Happy Endings with Lisa Kudrow and Laura Dern. It's from like 2005. He plays a hot, uh, horny Latin masseuse, and I've been obsessed with him ever since. So, yeah, I'm happy to watch seven episodes of him on Netflix for sure. Oh, you know what I forgot to talk about? Back to Housewives for a minute. The, um... Ultimate Girls Trip trailer is out as well. It looks really funny. That I'm definitely excited for. And uh, so funny, you go on Twitter and all of the tweets are, like, positive about Leah. Oh, my God, is is her icon era back? Oh, my God, Leah redeemed herself. I knew that would happen. You fucking people are so fickle. Um, she was not that bad on the last season of Roni. Actually, I think Kiki and I talk about this. And, um... She's clearly redeeming herself in Girls Trip. It looks very good, although it does look like most of the season is being carried by a small group of people. It really looks like Portia, Candace, Leah, and maybe Heather a bit are doing the heavy lifting, at least by the trailer. Um, Some of the other girls look like they're kind of just, I don't know, background characters, but I think those four will be enough. I mean, I love Candace now. I'm really liking her on Potomac. And, you know, Portia is awful, but she's a good villain. So, you know, Leah versus Portia, definitely looking forward to that. So, last night I uh, stayed up till about 2.30am watching Halloween Ends with uh, our girl Kyle Richards. I was so excited to watch it, which is funny because the last Halloween, Halloween Kills, was one of the worst horror movies. It was so bad. It was so awful. Um, To Kyle Richards' credit, the best part of Halloween Kills was the one chase scene with her, because it was very sort of reminiscent of, like, the style of the original, but everything else was really bad, and uh, I watched Halloween Ends. I had to download it on a torrent website, because it is not on streaming legally here in Australia, even though it is in the US on Peacock, and I could watch it at the movies, but I just, I couldn't wait. Like, I just wanted to watch it last night, because everyone's talking about it, because, um, it's basically like the most polarizing Halloween movie ever, I think. The reactions online are very strong. Like, people hate it. Like, you go on go on Twitter and you look at the sort of, like, the tweet replies, go on YouTube and look at the comments. People are really mad about this, uh, which is crazy to me because I think it's incredible. I think it's the best Halloween movie since the original from 1978, which is actually one of my favorite horror movies of all time. I think the original is a masterpiece. I feel very confident going to bat for this movie because I know that it will be critically reevaluated in a few years and it will go down as one of the best Halloween movies. So I may be standing alone right now, but I know that history will, you know, prove me right, as it usually does, not all the time, but it often does. So Halloween Ends is supposed to be the end of the franchise, at least as far as, like, Laurie Strode's, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis's story is concerned. It's the final entry in the new trilogy. It's nothing like any of the other Halloween movies at all. Like, Michael actually barely appears. Oh, Okay, spoiler alert. If you don't want spoilers about the new Halloween, skip forward five or ten minutes, okay? So anyway, sorry about that, guys. Um, Michael barely appears up until halfway through the movie. Um, Neither does Kyle Richards. She's in it for about maybe 15 seconds. Uh, So, yeah, but anyway, Michael is barely in it. Um, And the main storyline focuses on this, like, troubled young man in town in Haddonfield. He's become an outcast because he uh, accidentally killed a kid that he was babysitting at the beginning of the movie. The opening of the movie is so fucking good. One of the best horror movie openings ever, I think, because 
the way that they twist your expectations on it was done so well. Um, the movie goes the way of the Joker a little bit. So this guy, Corey, he's like an incel type. He's been tossed aside by society. He's an outcast in town. And instead of rising above it all, you know, he goes down this dark path instead. You can fill in the blanks of what happens, obviously. He essentially gets possessed by Michael, and then he starts this love affair with Laurie's granddaughter, which takes up a big portion of the movie. It's very character-driven. It's very thematic. It barely follows any conventional slasher logic, especially as far as Halloween goes, because Halloween has become pretty generic in recent years. It's actually not even scary. Uh, It's more of a drama, although I did find it very tense and atmospheric. I thought it was, like, really well shot. So some of the scenes, while they didn't scare me, I did – I found it quite intense at times. I've seen all the backlash to the movie, and I think it's really down to two things. Uh, One is that Halloween ends is just not what people expected, and that's, you know, thrown people. Uh, You know, the reality has not met the expectations, and people don't know how to deal with that. Nobody expected this kind of tone or approach or storyline at all. It's a bit like Blonde, uh, which I've spoken about a lot on here. You guys know that I was a fan of that movie. And that was interesting because a lot of people tuned in going, okay, it's on Netflix. It's Marilyn Monroe. They're expecting a sort of conventional Oscar-worthy biopic. And then biopic, 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 whatever. Who knows how to pronounce it? Don't leave me a bad review. Um, Anyway, they tune in expecting a sort of normal kind of movie and they get something completely different. So they naturally have, you know, a very strong reaction. Like, this isn't what I signed up for. I also watched Mother with Jennifer Lawrence the other day. And that's actually only the second Jennifer Lawrence movie I've ever seen, by the way. The only other one that I've watched, because I was looking through her filmography, I'm like, literally, this is like basically the only one I've seen. I've also seen The Hunger Games, um, and I only watched The Hunger Games because it's a knockoff of Japan's Battle Royale, which is one of my all-time favorites. If you haven't seen that, uh, a bunch of Japanese high school students think they're going on like a school excursion. They wake up on an island. They have to kill each other. They've got three days. The last person standing is the only one who, you know, can survive and leave. Such a great movie. I've also got the book. I've also got the manga series. Love it. Anyway, I watched Mother. That's pretty controversial because it was headlined by Jennifer Lawrence after she'd done all these really big commercial films like the Hunger Games franchise, American Hustle, X-Men, Silver Linings Playbook, and it's like an art house horror movie filled with biblical references and symbolism about mother nature and it has this really shocking kind of violent scene at the end so mainstream audiences show up they expect okay this is going to be a certain kind of movie based on what jennifer lawrence has done in the past they freak out naturally because it's not that at all but if a lesser known actress had done that and it didn't have the kind of uh It didn't give you this preconceived notion of what you would expect from a Jennifer Lawrence movie, and it just did the art house circuit. It would have been much better received uh, because it would have gone out to the audience that it was intended for. So that's sort of happened with Halloween ends a bit where it's just not what people expected. So they've had a really like strong negative reaction to it because I think that the horror fans, they expected some kind of like Marvel-esque showdown between Laurie and Michael with the jump scares and the crazy gadgets and the weapons, kind of like the 2018 version where, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis has turned her house into a gauntlet for Michael and it's filled with, you know, booby traps and shit. It's very over the top. And then Halloween Kills. I actually can barely remember a thing about Halloween Kills, but I remember it was uh, very, you know, the townspeople were 
going crazy. I don't know, a fucking lot was happening. So they thought it was going to be like that, very excessive, and it's actually a lot more subtle. And many of the fans, this is the other thing that people have got wrong, they seem to have a really big misunderstanding of what Michael is, what Michael represents. You know, Michael's other name in the original film is The Shape, because he's supposed to be like a physical representation of a supernatural evil. That's why he's so hard to kill. You know, you can never kill him. And even the way they designed the character... He's sort of wearing that black suit and then he has the sort of nondescript mask where his facial features are kind of melted and indistinct and then he has these black soulless eyes that look at. You're supposed to be looking at kind of just a shapeless nothing evil and the way he slowly stalks people, it's like he's a dark presence that plagues you. And then on the flip side, Laurie is supposed to represent, like, goodness and, you know, innocence. Remember, she's like a teenage virginal babysitter in the original movie. Um, and that's why he's so obsessed with killing her. And they have this sort of strange back and forth throughout the movies. So you have, like, a battle between good and evil, basically. And then they really explore that thematically in Halloween Ends. And then... A lot of the movie, like I said, it centers around this, you know, basically he's an incel, Corey, um, and he's man-made evil. So you see the film sort of split between his relationship with Laurie's granddaughter on one side and then Michael on the other. And it's like, well, which side are you going to choose? Because Laurie is also a pariah in the town. So Laurie and her granddaughter, because they were involved in these murders and a lot of the townspeople blame them for that. So they're outcasts are just like Corey is for committing manslaughter. But Laurie has sort of, you know, managed to survive. She stayed on a good path. Life hasn't been easy for her, like, (laughs) to put it lightly. She's had a fucking shit life, but she still gets through it and she hasn't let that consume her. Well, she did a bit in 2018 version, but then she's overcome that. I mean, in the movie now, we see her as, like, sober and she's sort of living life. Uh, She's living life because she didn't really live before um, in a more positive way. And, you know... Corey has a choice to make and she sees that she and Corey have a lot of similarities in how they're treated and um, she's so she's really taken by him at the beginning of the movie. That's why she introduces him to her granddaughter, but then, you know, he chooses evil um, and he kind of gets possessed by Michael, really, like by the evil spirit of Michael. And it's not even clear if Michael actually exists in the movie, to be honest, like, he lives in a sewer in the movie under under the town, which is supposed to sort of represent like a hell or, a, you know, an underworld where evil lives. And then you're never really quite sure if he's a real person or if it's just some kind of demonic entity. So, spoiler alert, um, Corey gets killed off pretty easily near the end of the movie. And some people were very upset by that because they were like, well, I wanted him to continue Michael's legacy and, you know, be the new Michael and start killing people so there could be more sequels. But it's like... That's very dumb and generic. Corey is just a man. He's a man who gave into bad circumstances. He chose a dark path, but Michael, so of course you can kill him quite easily. Michael is an otherworldly spirit. He represents true evil in like a spiritual form. So even at the end of the movie, you know, they also kill Michael in a way where you're like, he'll never be able to come back. But they also, they kind of like hint that, well, it's never going to be over because, you know, evil never dies, right? In the same way that goodness always survives, so does evil, and there's always going to be like that battle between the two. Um, I thought it was a perfect way to end the franchise. It really captured what Halloween is thematically and really explained it well, and it gave Laurie sort of a hopeful ending without being too cheesy. There was no corny cliffhanger of Michael's hand bursting through the dirt. Um 
Anybody complaining just doesn't get the movies, honestly, beyond the sort of obvious superficial slasher stuff. And if people are upset that they felt like, the, you know, there wasn't enough sort of slaughtering from Michael and not enough of Michael, well, you've also got to take into account this is part of a trilogy and Michael was all over the last two. There was plenty of kills and action-packed scenes with Michael. So as fucking terrible as Kills was, Halloween Kills, you know, that had a lot going, that had a lot of action in there. So if you watch the Halloween movies in a canon version in the right order, so that would be Halloween 1978, Halloween 2018, Halloween Kills, and Halloween Ends, you're getting the complete story, you're getting everything you want. Uh, It was the perfect send-off, like I said, the best one since the original. I also think it copied a lot from Nightmare on Elm Street, because if you've seen Nightmare on Elm Street 2, which is very controversial, Freddy Krueger possesses sort of possesses this guy in it and it's like a metaphor for repressed homosexuality nightmare on elm street 2 was very homoerotic and uh they (laughs) they sort of did a similar thing in this movie but it was a bit more of like a troubled white rage incel type of thing as opposed to like you know uh being a big big old homo um Also, if you're a fan of Halloween Ends, like I am, and you appreciate it, I definitely recommend watching Rob Zombie's Halloween films, part one and two. Okay, the director's cut of part two is one of my favorites uh, because it's very similar to Ends where it does something completely different with the franchise and a lot of people hated it for that reason. I liked it for because of that. So in that movie, Laurie's like addicted to antidepressants uh, antidepressants and psych meds from the trauma of the first movie. Michael is haunted by the ghost of his mother, who was played by Rob Zombie's wife, Sherry Moon, who he casts in all of his movies. And she like appears from this spiritual realm, like riding a white horse all throughout the movie. Dr. Loomis is this trashy, um, like a Dr. Phil type. And he's cashed in on Michael's murders by writing this really exploitive true crime book about it. And Malcolm McDowell, who plays Dr. Loomis in it is like chewing the scenery through the whole movie. It's really funny. Um, those Rob Zombie movies are considered to be terrible. I mean, I'm one of the few people that like them. The critical reviews were scathing. The fans hated them as well. Um, I obviously disagree, but I'm a big Rob Zombie fan. I love his music. I love his movies. And the movies really work as genre films. You've just got to to enjoy them. You've got to sort of appreciate Rob Zombie's vibe. And you've got to think of them as Rob Zombie movies, not as Halloween movies. Because then if you hold it up to the original Halloween, John Carpenter's, which is like an understated, subtle masterpiece of suspense and horror, it's going to seem awful. But if you can appreciate Rob Zombie with his like white trash aesthetic and the sort of tongue in cheek gratuity of everything that he does, they're amazing. Anyway, I did want to talk about uh, Tulsi Gabbard leaving the Democratic Party today, but um, I've talked too much. There's too much to get through. We've got to get to Kiki. Uh, I've run out of time. And, you know, me and Kiki did a little bit of politics anyway with the Candace Owens stuff. So I will save that for next week. Thanks for listening. And uh, there's always extra content for you guys on Patreon, patreon.com slash unpopularjp. I will give my new subscribers a shout out uh, on here next week. And uh, make sure you're following me on social media at unpopularjp on Twitter and Instagram. All the links to follow me and Kiki and for Kiki's podcast will be in the show notes. Uh, Thanks for listening guys and i'll see you all next week bye hit the strip club of mike thunder Woo. she let me beat it i'm a white boy wonder uh bad gal white dandada Woo. rude boy it's a white boy summer huh? bad gal white dandada Woo.
Rude boy, it's a boy. Okay, guys, uh, deep dive and gossip accounts are huge right now, and my next guest actually runs one of the best ones. She's also become a friend of mine, and she's very cool and nice. I love her, so please welcome Kiki Monique from The Talk of Shame. Hey. Did you ever think we'd be friends? I didn't at first. I didn't, but it wasn't because of me. It was just like, oh, she's going to hate me. That's kind of what I thought. <laughs> it wasn't like anything from my end, because... A lot of the more, like, progressive Bravo accounts and stuff have done away with me. I mean, there's a small group of people that are still nice to me. You're one of them. Um, Okay. (laughs) So, I love that we are friends. It's great. Do they actually full-on block you? Um... Yes, yeah, some block me or they just don't. Like, there was like a bunch of people that I talked to at the beginning that just like cut me out. And, you know, it's interesting as well because it's like I was always so nice to them, you know. And it's funny because like they obviously see things that I post and like don't agree with it or, you know, don't like my opinions and stuff. But on the flip side, like I was subjected to all of their opinions that I did not agree with or like at all. And I still was fine to be friends with them and put it aside. But, you know, some people can't do that. <laughs> I think that's where we are as a society. It's like there's usually like one side that's just like, I can be friends with anybody even if I don't agree. And there's people who are like, I refuse to talk to you if you do not adhere to this exact script. Yeah, literally. And you and I sometimes will talk in the DMs about things and we're not like so diametrically opposed. Like we'll talk about something and then we're kind of like, oh, like I'll see your perspective and you'll see mine. It's like fine. It's not like such like a huge division. I think that when we're on social media all the time, when you're seeing people post things, it's easy to feel like, oh, that person is like so different to me. But then when you actually talk to them, it's like, oh, we actually have a lot in common. You know, it's not that deep. Well, that's what it's like so funny when I'll scroll and it's like, I'll see you have liked something and I'll be like, always like, oh, he did like that. Interesting. We agree with that. And I don't know if you see the same way. Like I saw, um, I think we both liked the Juliet Lewis post that she was posting <laughs> about how Pfizer had lied about the vaccine. And I knew you would like it. I sometimes wonder and I actually I, I wonder if people look at it and they're like, why did Kiki like it? I don't know. You have to be aware sometimes of those things of like, oh, how are people going to perceive it? I've stopped doing that. Like, I just say whatever the hell I want now. You know, at the start, I tried to be a little bit, I wasn't being fake. I just tried to be a little bit more like sensitive to both sides or like, oh, well, if I say this, people are going to perceive it this way. So I'll be a little bit more careful. Now I don't give a shit and I just say what I want and, you know, people take it as as they want to take it. But like, say an account like yours, you have a lot of followers now. Like, you've got, you're verified on Instagram. You have, like, almost 120K. So, you probably do sometimes think, like, oh, should I like this? Like, is this going to come up in people's feeds and, you know, I'll get cancelled or something? Like, do you have that anxiety? I absolutely do. Like, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm wondering if I did like the Juliet Lewis. I, I liked it in my head. I don't know if I double tapped it because of that exact reason because I've definitely gotten people who... Uh, will get mad at me. And so I do have anxiety because I really think I'm authentic, but I still think there is like 10% of me that I hold back because it gets scary because if people hear it the wrong way, you know, I opened up a Daily Mail and I think I saw a headline that was uh, Mindy Kaling was getting canceled because she liked a JK Rowling post. And I didn't see what went back and forth. And I don't know if... uh, 
Mindy ended up unliking it or some, I saw someone commenting about like, you know, kids have phones. She didn't mean to like it. And I don't know if that's true or not, but either <laughs> way, it's kind of crazy that that's a headline that, be, you know, is JK Rowling going to just be until the end for the next 50 years, the end of time, like the most transphobic person in history. And if you even mention her name, will you be considered like the devil? I don't know. I think that things have definitely calmed down a little bit from where we were. Like, I think that when I had you on my podcast once before, I think earlier on, and we talked about Dave Chappelle and that whole controversy. And I think things were like a lot more, like it was a lot more scary to kind of speak out. I feel like this year now, it's a bit more like we're coming out of the weeds a bit with it. Did you tell me that people, I think you said this on, I can't remember if you told me this privately or on Instagram, but like people like DM'd you saying like not to come on my podcast. They were surprised because they, you know, it was at the, the same time I had announced that I was coming on was when you were going in on Garcelle about the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills reunion and, you know, Garcelle's beloved. And so with that, they were just like, why would you talk to, you know, he's terrible, he's evil. And, you know, I'm just like, look, I... Because they also don't see that, like, when I when I see something on your feed, I have no problem telling you, like, no, mm-mm, mm wrong. And you don't yeah, care. It's not like it's not like we're yeah. fighting about it. Um, but, like, I do get worried when people are trying to, like, limit who you can associate with. That's a little bit weird. Well, you know, it's funny. The first time I had you on my podcast, I had some of my listeners come in and go, oh, why do you have her? She's so woke. So it's like we get it <laughs> <laughs> I figured. I figured. <laughs> from both sides. And people so twisted what I've said about, I've explained myself a bunch of times with the Garcelle thing. My whole point of that was I wasn't like condoning what happened to Jax or minimizing it. My whole point was that a few weeks before, like Portia, she's also 14, Kyle's daughter was getting trolled. They were trolling with Jagger, like the trolling with the Beverly Hills fans is so out of control. It's so toxic. It's so disgusting. People have been coming for the kids and stuff for a long time. Like, yes, people made a huge deal because, like, Garcelle is a fan favourite. She's beloved. You know, you see how much people are supporting Kathy, whereas, you know, at BravoCon they booed Lisa Rinna. So it's just like the fandom's very intense. And I'm just trying to say these fans are toxic and have been for a long time. This Garcelle situation is not unique. Like people suddenly acted like the sky was falling because Garcelle was targeted. But it's like, no, these women are getting trolled relentlessly like every week from this fandom. So that's what the point was. But people twisted it to be like, okay, well, you're minimizing her because she's a black woman. I literally had someone in my DMs and I responded to them. And I think it was one of your followers. (laughs) How could you say that about Garcelle? You really are a racist. Of course, it was a white woman. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, a white savior. Um, But, you know, it's just, it's a lot. (laughs) It is a lot. And it's like, I've been trying to wrap my head around so much of it because, so many of the people that I do truly appreciate who have really tried to like embrace this ally at the same time have completely destroyed the entire thing because woke is terrible. Like the, you know, woke was supposed to be an insult to me. Right. And that's just terrible. Like being insulted by woke should have never been a thing, but it did get ruined. And um, so I'm having issues with that because when we look around here, we are, let's say two, almost three years later. And has anything really changed? Because I don't know. Like, I don't think anything inherently changed. Candace Owens is trying to make that point. She's making it very poorly, which is why I have trouble with it. But there's points being made about, like, where have we really progressed as a society? And, you know, has anything really changed in my life because of it? 
questionable. Yeah, well, I don't think so. I mean, we're going to get into that because I actually have a yeah. lot of points about this, but there's so much that I want to talk to you about. But I, one thing I was going to say is very funny about the backlash that I'll get, uh, you know, people go, oh, my God, he's a racist, he's a right winger and stuff. Like, I just say what, like, my politics are all over the place, in my opinions, and people that listen to me regularly, they understand it. Like, I come on here, I've criticised Candace Owens a lot. Like, I... I've told my Candace Owens story before, but basically I knew who she was, which was a very small creator coming up, and I've seen the evolution and stuff. I criticize libs of TikTok all the time, which is, like, very popular with conservative people. Like, I just say whatever I want, but I will say that it's – I've had conservative people message me sometimes, and they're like, oh, you know, what you said about – you know, I disagree with you about, you know, criticizing libs of TikTok or whatever, but – um they've been more eager to just like they're they're cool to like agree to disagree whereas i feel like with the lefty people they're just like you're a racist and they just like troll me and leave me like a one-star review and like he's abhorrent and you know so it's really a lot of it started with started with garcelle when i didn't take garcelle's side on beverly hills and then with ebony you actually told me that um did you say ebony unfollowed you she did i you know like i I think that was sort of where, you know, probably people who were like, why do you have another show? You're so woke. It's because, like, I got really invested in Real Housewives of New York when that was all happening. Because, you know, I'm from New York. And it was very apparent that, like, there was a specific, you know, Upper East Side white woman that they were portraying. And it's just like, that is not New York at all. Like, anyone who's from New York, that is not New York. And so I was excited that she was joining. Now, look. Did I have questions because she was like besties with Megan McCain? Of course I did, as everyone did. I was like, hmm, questionable. But you know what? Black women especially are so protective of other black women. I'm going to like give her all the props. So I'm like propping her up. I'm doing all these things. And then, you know, I would notice, you know, so she started following me. That was really excited. And I know, you know, you notice when people are liking your stuff and, you know, she's liking my stuff and then the show gets canceled. And I just, I feel like one day I just noticed, like, I haven't seen like a like from Ebony in a while. You know, it's just something that comes up. And I was like, let me go to her page. And I just clicked on who she was following. And, you know, if you're being followed by someone, you pop up first. And I was not on the list. And I was like, rude, you know, because she follows literally every other Bravo account that came along the same time as me. And it just spoke volumes to me because I was kind of like, hey, sis, (laughs) I thought we were all about like, you know, lifting each other up. Why would you actively go into your follows? And like, that's like, you have to do that. Oh, yeah. It's I mean, unfollowing someone is a lot like I, I still follow people that I can't stand just because it's so harsh to unfollow someone. <laughs> and remember on the season, she was the one that excluded Bashan. Remember there was like some there was some event and she didn't invite Bashan, the only other black woman on the cast. And it was yeah. like, oh, you know, did you want to be it's the a- only one? <laughs> And it's, you know, and so it was like, really, it just, you know, and obviously I still follow her because I'm, you know, I don't have a reason to unfollow her. And, you know, so when she came up in my feed recently because she was criticizing how she had walked out of a Chris Rock show because his stand up did not like pass the vibe check. I was just kind of like side eyeing her because I was like, but like, what did I, I really just want to know what I did. Like, do you think you you posted something positive about like Leah or Ramona and maybe she 
didn't like I would that. Have, I would never post anything positive about Ramona. So that <laughs> definitely never happened. But I did become friendly with Leah because Leah started following me. And I thought that was great because, look, Leah could have also canceled me. I mean, maybe she's never seen my TikToks, but I bring up her, like, past with Michael Che. And I would still love to talk to her about it. But I always, when I made those videos, I was very clear, like, I want to like you. So, like, I just want to, you know, maybe you were drinking at the time. You know, maybe that was a different light. And like, maybe that's why those things happen. We've all been there. I've always, I've been a crazy ex too. Um, so I never like hated her because of that. And of course her personality was like, this is someone I would hang out with all the time in New York. Um, so when she started following me, I'm like, cool. Like I want to develop a relationship with her. And then maybe one day she'll come on my podcast and we have, can have an open conversation about the whole Michael Che thing, whatever. And so, yeah, like I like her stuff. I comment on her stuff. She'll comment back. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that was, I have no clue. Yeah, I wonder if it was that. I felt so bad for her during that season because I did feel like people did not like Ebony and she was not a good housewife. I'm sorry. Even if you're an Ebony fan, she did not work out on that show. And in my opinion, I thought she was like the worst housewife. And I feel like people felt like they could not criticize her because she was the first black New York cast member. So I was like, I feel like they channeled that into Leah, who was sort of her, you know, friend on there. Cause I felt like, well, I can't say it about Ebony. So like, I literally had people, not anymore, but at the height of a lot of the, you know, the sort of BLM PC stuff, like message me like, oh my God, I don't like Garcelle either, but I can't say it. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, what are we living in where people feel like they can't have an opinion on the fucking real housewives? <laughs> Well, look, I was even, I was, I had I, doing on stand, I didn't do an actual stand up bit. I wrote, wrote it. I'm too scared to actually get on stage, but I wrote a whole bit about how like black women are kind of like untouchable right now and how I could like literally like do the most like rancid thing in the middle of like the street and nobody would cancel me. They'd be like, Oh, power to you, you know? Um, because we, you know, I have a whole, you know, group chat with my, my, you know, black girlfriends across, you know, the world. And we keep connected there. And I remember when that episode with Ebony and she did the whole like historical black figures at the dinner party. <laughs> oh my God. And we were just joking her because we were like, we, we too would leave that party. That like, we were like, this is the most boring thing we're ever watching. If you ever invited me to a party and started giving me like cards of historical black figures, fuck off. Yeah, I, I mean, that's so, and it comes off condescending, like, sorry, who are you to educate me? Like, I'll educate myself. Like, And they, to be honest, if you go back, they they tried, they, I feel like they did try with her. Like, remember even Ramona, and look, uh, people don't like Ramona, but Ram- Ramona was like, oh, I learned what a microaggression is. Like, they did what they could, but it was like, what are you going to do? I mean, if you rewatch some of those scenes, actually, with Ebony now, they're insane. Like, her cornering Ramona about why haven't you acknowledged that Kamala Harris is going to be the PB? Like, what are you talking about? Like, this is crazy. That's not normal behavior. It it totally, everything about that season was just like from the fact that n- there was no natural normal relationships other than Sonia, Ramona, and Luann, and just like, you know, being force-fed a lot of stuff. It was like, oh, um, yeah, it was, it was not, it was a failure. Well, I noticed that you're not at BravoCon this weekend. You're a big creator. What is there a story behind that? Did you just not want to go? Were you snubbed? I know that there is a lot for people listening 
There's definitely a lot of chatter. You'll be able to confirm this behind the scenes amongst like different creators and podcasters about like who got invited, who didn't, who's on a panel. Like they're all talking about it. Yeah. So I was lucky enough to be invited. I was like, they were so gracious to give me, you know, um, SVIP pass. I was excited. Um, but that was where it stopped. <laughs> like, and I live in LA and, you know, now, and this is happening in New York and I was like, look, I would think I would at least get like a a code for a discounted hotel, like something like to, because at the end of the day, I am bringing my followers and I am pumping up your event. I would just think that like any sort of monetary (laughs) kickback to help facilitate me being there for, you know, an extended period of time, especially in fall. Fall in New York is like the most popular time. Everything's expenses. Hotels can be like $900 a night. Mm -hmm. You know, you just would think that there'd be like a BravoCon code. Um, So obviously, you know, I'm, I'm doing this all on my own. Like everything I'm doing is on my own right now. I don't have an agent or a manager to like help me hook me up with brand deals and get me flights and stuff like that. So um, it was just going to cost me thousands of dollars, even with a free ticket to go out there. And like, I'm just, look, I, right now I'm just like, again, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm like trying to make it on my own. That is just not a good use of funds. <laughs> yeah. And you probably have seen the footage of them, like stampede. It looks like a fucking QAnon convention. Like it's crazy. <laughs> By the way, everyone there is white. I feel like from what I'm seeing and I'm like, oh my God, you guys, these are people that were harassing me behind the Kim Richards avatars this all this time, calling me a racist or a bunch of white chicks. Uh- <laughs> From the Midwest, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, you know, I, the, the, the fact is, is, like, again, I'm so grateful and, like, that they invited me and even considered me. But the reality is I hate conventions. I hate – I don't even go to, like, music festivals really anymore unless I am in, like, VIP, like, I have a – area cut off because I don't like being around crowds and I don't like being around that many people. And so I was like, the fact that I was even like conned into believing that I was going to enjoy this. And then knowing what, you know, after you saw the stampede, like at the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills panel and people were acting like, oh, you know, SVIPs, we're supposed to get first access. It's kind of like a Disney world where you like, you know, you get to cut the line but people were like, they weren't even paying attention to that. People were like sitting on floors. It was like. Oh, I so saw I'm people like, pushing in in the lines and standing on in front of blocking views and stuff. It was like in fucking Anna Zoo. And, and like, that's the stuff that leads me to fighting. And I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to get t- taken out of character when I'm supposed to be like meeting people who came there to like, you know, meet me or have fun. I mean, not meet me, but you know. Yeah. Um, what did you think of Lisa Rinna being booed? I thought that was crazy. Like, come on, this isn't meant to be a fun convention. I get that you guys don't like her, but that's a lot. I guess I didn't think about it because I always assume, and maybe wrongfully so, but I always assume that Rinna takes that stuff and almost like absorbs it like a... <laughs> She does. She was playing, she was like, oh, I feel like a WWE wrestler, but I still felt like the fact that she she got booed. I mean, there are certainly worse people there. Like, I mean, you know, would Jen Shah have been booed? No. If Jen Shah was on a panel, they would have cheered. And she's just, you know, she's about to be locked up for scamming old people and stuff. And you're like, and disabled people, and you're booing Lisa fucking Rinna. Like, it makes no sense. And the cheering for Kathy, I feel like the Kathy fans are such hypocrites because I will say, if we're going to talk about woke Bravo fans, I feel like a lot of those are Kathy's fans. 
And, you know, these are the same sort of people that were, you know, on their soapboxes on their Instagram accounts, like, you know, which housewives voted for Trump? You know, we need to cancel them. Like, this housewife is problematic. And I'm like, well, girl, I have a look into Kathy Hilton and her yeah. family and all of her stuff. Look, obviously me being problematic, I don't care. Like, I couldn't give, I don't even care about the rumor that she called the DJ the F word. You know, I think it's funny. I probably would have called him that too. But <laughs> I am just saying, like, your <laughs> fans that seem to claim to be so woke are out here booing Lisa Rinna and cheering on Kathy Hilton. I just find it very strange. (laughs) Well, that's like what's the problem with all of it, right? Like if you look at anybody, everybody has a problem. Like there's nobody that has not had a problem at any point in their life. And so like we do turn our our eyes sometimes when we don't want to acknowledge it. Like, look, you know, I, I always talk about how I have a crush on Chet Hanks. And do you not think that every time I mention the crush on Chet Hanks, I don't get, you know, DMs from people about, you know, his problematic. And I'm like, I don't like, it doesn't matter. I still want to have a crush on him. Let me have a crush on him. It's also like, just like, it's funny. Like, you know what I mean? Like me having a crush on Chet Hanks is like funny, like calm down. Like you don't need to send me like pages of like everything he's done. Like, it's fine. Like just laugh. It's not like I'm going to meet him and like (laughs) get in a relationship with him. And then like, you know, like I just, it's a crush. BravoCon is so weird too, because I was looking at like the footage of it, right? And they've got everyone's there, they're doing their catchphrases, they've got things blown up of their catchphrases on there, they're doing shtick, and it's like, this, it doesn't feel like a reality show convention, it feels more like a a scripted thing, or like a soap con, because like it's so breaking the fourth wall, and so meta, and people playing characters, and I think a lot of us feel kind of fatigued with the shows too because they've they're also self-aware and it's really feeling like they're all just playing a game and you know they're sometimes you're watching scenes you know like is this like did they script this like did they practice these lines beforehand and stuff and then you see the bravo con thing and it just i don't know you can see how much bravo's changed i think with yeah. how self-aware it's got and it's all in bravo con yeah i mean just watching you know people <laughs> I mean, every, like people are going live left and right. So, you know, you can kind of pick and choose who you want to watch, whose panels you want to watch and what vantage point you want to see it from. And, you know, they had the Vanderpump Rules one. And, of course, they're asking, you know, Raquel about Tom and she's like playing coy. And it's just funny, though, because we are Bravo accounts who also have access to people and no information. And so I'm like, oh, I forget, like, most of these people don't know. Like, yeah, they totally made out. Like, that was never a secret, but, like, they're learning it for the first time. <laughs> and I, and it, but it, So it is. It's so weird. I want to talk about Bethany and the stuff that's going down with her because I've kind of been obsessed with this. I feel like there's two Bethany issues and I want to separate them. One is, like, is she just, like, a total hypocrite and a massive bitch now? That's one thing, our personal feelings. And the other one is... This cease and desist, cease and desist, and like Tamara, I can't say it. Um, thing going on with TikTok, and I want to kind of figure out, like, is she in the wrong objectively? Okay, so let me try and simplify it so we don't overcomplicate it because you can get really in the weeds with this shit. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. So my understanding of it so far is that there's Meredith Lynch. She's a TikTok creator. She did a TikTok about how Bethany had trademarked this uh, the phrase "it's a scam." And that she trademarked that before she became like a beauty influencer. Because in all of her beauty reviews, she'll go, you know, look at this moisturizer. It's a scam. It doesn't work. And I guess Meredith was kind of implying, hey, like maybe she's not as natural and as off the cuff as you think. And that she had kind of like planned this thing out. And then 
Bethany sends Meredith to cease and desist over a cease and desist. <laughs> <a> fucking word. <laughs> she sends her a cease and desist over it, and um, then once people found this out, then Bethany kind of clapped back and she explained that she just trademarks everything and that she's been saying it's a scam for years and there's no conspiracy and it wasn't even in the category that people think that it is and. Then Bethany came out and she said that she was also sending out the cease and desist because people are defaming her Be Strong charity. But Meredith never mentioned her charity. So it was like, Be just deflecting. Am I right so far? You are right so far. But I think that the charity mentions were happening behind a paywall on Patreon, which is why I hadn't really seen them. But then also a follower did send me some TikToks that were referencing, hey, I am talking about her charities. Go to my Patreon. So I had missed that part. Yeah. And I did hear there was a YouTube creator, I can't remember what their name, Barbie something, and I think Heather McDonald shared it on her Instagram story, which is how I saw it, and whoever that YouTuber was was definitely talking shit about Bethany's charity work, so I don't know if she got a cease and desist as well. And then there was also another part to it where some creators were dissing skinny girls, saying, you know, oh, it's, you know, problematic, I think Meredith did, and then- did Bethany send cease and desist over that too? Was she trying to silence criticism against Skinny Girl? No, the only two cease and desist she mentioned were to Meredith and then another TikTok creator called the Bunny Barbie. Okay, oh, the, the Bunny Barbie might be the one that I saw. Yeah, the Bunny Barbie, you know, that is like someone I'm mutuals with as well. And that was related to, she was set to do a reality show. And essentially what she says is like, she was held under this contract where she couldn't do anything else. You know, she was held by it. She couldn't make money. And then all of a sudden it all just like vanished, went away. And that Bethany was just, you know, and so she just blames her for that. And she talked about it. She hadn't talked about it up until that point. And then she finally did a TikTok series about what had happened. Um, and then, so she got a cease and desist about that. Oh, okay. yeah. And Bethany denied that as well. Bethany, I don't have an explanation in front of me, but she kind of explained it and was like, no, that's not what it was. Someone sent me a thing about Meredith and they said that Meredith had also said that Rachel Zoe's subscription box thing was a scam. I mean, is, I don't, I'm not that familiar with Meredith. Is she like pretty objective or is she one of the, cause there are a lot of these deep dive accounts now and gossip accounts that I feel like. They just try to create issues with with people that are famous. I mean, I felt like that's what they were doing when they came after Teddy Mellencamp over the All In. I felt like there was, like, an agenda for clout with that. There are some that just try to, I don't know, like, cancel brands and stuff because they know it's going to, like, promote them. And there are other people like you that are more objective and, like, do, like, actually a good job. Like, do you – what is your take on Meredith? Yeah. So, like, you know, obviously I, I had blown up my TikTok during, you know, lockdown and then I sort of – paused on TikTok to really focus on Instagram because like that's honestly where you're making money. I know people like I know TikTok is the future, but like I make most of my money. I was like, I got to build myself up over here. And when I had left TikTok, there was very few like tea accounts, deep dive accounts, gossip accounts. But when I went back, I tried to go back recently. Oh, they're everywhere, everywhere. So Meredith started popping up in my feed and she was talking about, you know, so I started following her and then I started seeing this. So I don't know much about her history because I only started following her recently, but I did sign up for her Patreon because I wanted to see what these videos were about. The two videos were referencing the um, 
the charities are are private now. Even like even though I paid, I paid for the paywall, she made them private. So clearly the cease and desist worked because they are not up any longer. The only video that was still up was where she talked about getting the cease and desist and saying, you know, she doesn't, her husband is in school. She doesn't make a lot of money. She can't afford to fight it. I get, here's the thing. Like I absolutely agree with the whole like, bigger accounts with lots of money having the power to shut people down. That's yeah, well, that's one cool. thing Meredith yeah. said. Yeah, I should just explain. She came and did a whole TikTok that I watched about, hey, when you're a smaller creator, you can have these big celebrity accounts that have all of these money and these resources, and they can use that to silence you, whether they're in the right or the wrong. Yeah, and so that part is really scary. It's also scary, though, the idea of building a brand and someone saying whatever they want about it. So I see both sides of it, but honestly, Bethany should have let this go because like, I don't, she doesn't understand the TikTok space. I mean, she understands it enough to get to a million followers. So kudos to that. But she doesn't understand that like in TikTok world, a smaller creators have each other's back. Like, and you're never going to win. You're never going to sleep. Like you've opened up this can of worms and they are not going to let you rest. Well, she's, yeah, she's given herself all of this negative publicity now far more. She's given herself worse publicity now by doing this than she would have if she just let them talk shit about her brand. Um, I'm always going to side with, with free speech on these things. I think it's so important, especially with, you know, people know that I was so against the vaccine mandates and everything, and I always have posted about it, and I was, you know, horrified by the censorship with that. So, that whole experience of going through that with the pandemic definitely made me more um, being like, yeah, no, we need free speech at all costs. Um, So I am always going to side with that, but I will, I just do want to say, and it's not compromise what I'm saying, but I I do, I have a problem with a lot of the accounts coming out with, you know, the, the defamatory things they say. I still think they should be allowed to say it, but just on personally, you know, I get frustrated with the fake tea accounts with Bravo. I always complain about that because, you know, I know you look, you know, housewives, I know housewives. We know people in the industry. You know, I work at one of the biggest media organizations. Like I get a lot of tea. It's, I can message people and go, is this true? Is that not true? So, you know, I'll know a lot of stuff going on. And then I see the amount of fake stuff that these accounts are, you know, posting. They're just reposting DMs that have not been fact checked or anything. And then it gets re reported like news. It's complete fake news and misinformation. It spreads everywhere. You know, that's a shallow topic, housewives gossip, but it's like, would to have that about your brand or something defamatory and have, you know, to know that someone can just send a DM and go, oh, I heard that B Strong is, um, you know, misappropriating their money and, you know, she's using the money to buy a mansion or something. And then, you know, TikTok accounts are probably going to like repost that and go, well, allegedly we've heard this. That's very yeah. problematic. I'm always going to side with free speech, but let's just acknowledge it and be like maybe people need to do better there's like no media literacy i feel like well yeah i mean it's like the great thing about social media is it allowed all of us to you know become journalists (laughs) but like i actually did learn journalism so it's like i know that like there's certain things you still have to uh, follow and abide by um and a lot of people don't realize you know it's like you know, at least check your, who is your source? And can you at least try to reach out to the person and get a comment? Because like, this is- The basics, the basics. Like, yeah, that's what you do. The very basic that I do working at the Daily Mail where I do, we have to go for a comment 
before you publish it. You've got to, re- and you've got to give them like a reasonable amount of time. You know, people get even Taylor Lorenz. She's been called out for this. She goes for comment right before you publish. I think you you can technically you can do that. It's just sort of. It's not, you know, it's kind of frowned upon, but you can get away with it. But you do have to go for comment and you've got to get a lawyer to look up, look over it if it could be defamatory. Like constantly the Daily Mail all the time, I'll write a story. It could be something dumb. It could be, you know, I could be writing about Jen Sharp said that um, Heather Gay is a racist Lego figurine. I've got to send that to a lawyer and see is that defamatory and they'll, you know, they'll tell me. So, yeah. you know, these accounts have no idea what they're doing and they're just – spreading all kinds of bullshit. I still think they should be allowed to say it. I just maybe to guys out there that you are on TikTok and stuff, please take things more with a grain of salt, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I take my like journalism very seriously, but I also do like want if there's a story that's interesting and I want to chase it, like, like I'll go after it. Like, I mean, I just did a podcast about like a woman who was in prison and is convinced that, you know, she is the basis behind the oranges, new black characters. I don't have that. So it's like, I just want her to explain why. And, you know, did I ask Piper Kerman for comment? No, but, you know. <laughs> of course. And look, I come on here. I have very strong opinions. I talk shit about people all the time. Like I say stuff and then I think, God, I was too harsh. Or even when I'm recapping the housewives on my Instagram story, sometimes I'll go back and delete something or I'll think, you know, maybe in the moment I thought it was funny or whatever. And then I think, God, if they read that, that's a lot. And so, you know, I'm not like innocent, like I do it too, but I don't know. I think we just, but have yeah, to it's be, gotten out of control. Yeah. It's it gotten it's really, lot. really out of control. And I'm just like, like, even there, did you see the rumor going around about how like Teddy was in a uh, altercation, a physical altercation. Yes. And I was like, I'm not even going to go look because I know that this is bullshit. Like n- Teddy did not fight anyone. Come on. I get so tired with, I constantly get it. People have sort of stopped now, but just always sending me like whatever the latest like Bravo Demois room is. Oh my God, is this true? Or I can't believe, you know, Heather Dubrow threw a glass at that person. I'm like, this never happened. Like someone made this up. Like why is it? But they, people believe it. People believe it. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, with Bethany as well. I've actually been going in on Bethany for a while now on the pod and- People think that I hate Beth. Like some pe- people message me sometimes. They go, oh, "I know that you hate Bethany." It's like, no, I actually have been a big, big fan of Bethany for a long time. I've actually met her. Um, I loved meeting her. One of the best experiences of my life to be get a selfie with Bethany. She was iconic. Um, I defended her on Twitter when Roni was airing. I've been a big defender of her, but like lately, oh, I defended her with the Meghan Markle thing. I feel like she was vindicated for that. They all said she was. You know, I did a. I've been going on the down the Meghan Markle rabbit hole recently. I think she's such a liar. And I think that um, Bethany was right to criticize her and was unfairly called a racist for that. But since she became a TikTok creator, she is fucking unbearable. She is like drunk off of this TikTok fame. It's gone to her head. She's awful. She needs to tone it down. Um, her obsession with the Kardashians is beyond i get that people use the kardashians for a headline but it's like i feel like every week like she's just going like she just seems like a hater right yeah no and that's that's my thing like i will well i'll never agree with you on the megan markle thing just because again i'm protective i can't help myself i do love megan but (laughs) girl americans are not up on the megan markle tea okay you guys have been fed a false 
girl, do the Meghan Markle deep dive. Your eyes will be open. You'll be like, my God. Anyway. This is one of the ones I looked the other way. But no, yeah. But Bethany (laughs) is such, she is a hypocrite because, you know, again, like, the reason we loved Bethany was because she was outspoken and, and spoke her mind. And TikTok lets you do it in a way like, yeah, you do get drunk off of it because it just feeds you the serotonin like you've never felt before. And yeah, like, I don't know, you know, what the, but like, just the Kardashians, like, I don't know. Are you really any different? I mean, you're, you're all just like hustlers. You're all just sort They're of the same. That have, They're yeah, the fucking like, same her and, and Kim. Like, if you want to go to, like, they're both fame whores. They're both yeah. very calculated, media savvy. They both shot to fame on reality TV. You know, Kim did a sex tape. Bethany, as we know from uh, Ramona spilling the tea, was naked on a waterbed, having sex with a man and a woman, whatever the line was. You know, she did a B movie. Um, yeah. They both slapped their name and brand on every fucking product under the sun. It's practically a meme at this point that Bethany did the lunch meet, the skinny girl, everyone always brings that up. I mean, the amount of crap that Bethany has put her brand on and, you know, the Kardashians, I actually think the Kardashians, originally the Kardashians were like that where they just license their name to everything. I think actually since they've got more in control of their brands, they're actually putting out good products. I think Skims is like very cool and- um, certainly better than skinny girl shapewear. I don't know, but yeah, I will that's say that. <laughs> better looking. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Probably not hard. Yeah. Um, not all their products are good, but I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? Whether their products are good or crap, they both put out a bunch of shit, and they have actually both used their platforms too to give back. Bethany has be strong. Kim is on her, you know, criminal justice thing. She got a grandma out of damn prison. So, like, come on, like, what is the difference that much? There is no difference, which is why it's so weird, which is why it feels very clout chasing, which is why it's like it feels the opposite of the Bethany we know. Like you're not you're not supposed to be the clout chaser. You're just supposed to be the one that's like for the people saying it how old like it is and just like my girlfriend that I'm chatting it up with and it doesn't feel that way anymore. Her tweet about Kim getting booed was insane. This is what she she tweeted about Kim last week. Um, Why is everyone surprised that Kim Kardashian was booed at a football game? It's America's pastime. The fans are people with daughters and sons who have hope for realistic role models for their children. Football is not the superficial land of fashion. Those fans can't be brought. Like, that was so fucking annoying to me. Like, Bethany, girl, like... A lot of us do look up to her for her business sense and telling it like it is and stuff, but it's also like you have no friends. You're a friendless sociopath is what I've been calling her. I mean, she can't maintain any relationships in her life. I mean, she's got the current guy. Maybe she'll screw that up too, like Ramona said on the bridge. We'll see. I mean, she's completely insane. She's on. She's manic 24-7. She put out, you know, skinny girl because she likes to – she likes to go on about the Kardashians with unrealistic beauty standards with like the filters and stuff. All right, fair enough. But you put out the skinny image and you lie. She says she doesn't work out. She's done interviews saying she doesn't work out. Today on Instagram, someone just sent me this. She was working out on the treadmill in her active wear. So of course she, she is. Yeah. yeah I've caught, I mean, if you've seen her body, it's like yeah, ripped and muscular. Just, yeah. That's just she, not a body you get just cause. Yeah. So, and but she, oh, I don't work out. Like, what? Because you want to sell, you think you want to sell the image that people can just drink skinny girl and look like you. I mean, skinny girl in the beginning, let me say allegedly, because I don't have all the exacts in front of me. Don't sue me, Bethany. But there was some kind of very 
serious chemical in the skinny girl margaritas at the beginning that like it and it got pulled off shelves and they had to get rid of it. like it was so girl you put out a lot of shit and i just think like enough with the kim hating and then her fans love to come and go oh well she does you know be strong and it's like yeah well kim's doing her kim's doing the um the criminal justice stuff like yeah. why is that being disregarded kim went back to law school okay like that's pretty admirable like i think a lot of people well to- <laughs> i mean she's under the mentorship of a, yeah of okay a look lawyer. <laughs> and she's got and she's got millions of dollars and people to you know yeah. study with and, and all i get it and you know some people go well you know bethany's done more okay but they're still like giving back like they're still you know using their platform i don't think it really matters that much but it's just Kim, I, I don't know, think this- Kim is, like, as useless as Bethany wants to make out. No, she's not. And, like, you know, I can't – I won't even say it because I know I will get sued. But let's just say when I was in New York, I worked with people who ran in the same social circles as Bethany and dated, like, friends and brothers and stuff. And, like, they would just, like – because I think it was at the very beginning of, like, when Roni was on. So it was, like, you know, seeing her face, like, oh, God, I know that girl. And I would hear these stories about her. I won't repeat because, again, I you know, this is secondhand. But she's no different. She's 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 not – like, she has been trying to get on, like – Oh girl, or she was what? like hanging around the at the Hamptons social things, trying to network, and like she was, you know, hus. And yeah, people go, yeah, yeah, she's a hustler, but Kim's a hustler too, girl. You're both like, yeah. If Bethany and Kim are actually the two people that should really be like celebrating each other, like they actually do align in many ways. Um, what do you think of Kim's criminal justice stuff? I listened to the first episode of her podcast. I liked it. And I'm saying that as someone who I don't listen to true crime stuff. And obviously with it being Kim Kardashian, it's, you know, it's got a lot of money behind it. It's sort of, I think it's like a true crime for dummies, really, because it's, you know, you want to get the broadest. So for me, I actually found it very interesting. I don't know if the guy that is the subject of the podcast is innocent or not. Like some people have come out going, no, he's not. He's actually guilty. I don't know. But I find criminal justice stuff um, really interesting. And I think it is a important issue like because i look at in america you know our prison system here in australia is so different like you guys have these like for-profit prisons you know they don't rehab anybody it's just like you know let's just get you in here for as long as possible and make money off you and use you for cheap labor and then throw you out without any skills so then you'll be back in and um so i really like i really like what what she's doing with with criminal justice stuff yeah, and it's so necessary because unfortunately, like as the Supreme Court has changed, you know, they've even just recently passed something where like basically you can't you can't appeal or you can't fight like if you've been convicted for these like life terms and like it's and so it's even more important than ever that unfortunately private citizens who have money and they want to like pro bono for these people who maybe got you know, a bunch of charges that shouldn't have been, and they're in prison for 20 years. Um, so I think it's awesome that she's doing that. More people need to do that. Cause like, it's the only way that we're going to get some of these people who are sitting innocent um, or just got caught up in the system. Cause again, once you get in jail, they're just, it's a cycle. You're never going to get out. Yeah. And even with, um, even with the case that Kim has on her podcast, um, You've got to look at it as, like, even if you don't know if he's he's guilty or innocent, was there enough to, like, sentence him to this? Or was there, re- you know, did they sweep that as, I mean, Candace Owens gets into that with the Derek Chauvin thing, which is a whole other can of worms. Oh God. But <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I spent, well, look, I spent a whole day on Daily Wire. I don't, that was really strange. Okay. <laughs> stepping into another world well there's there's a conspiracy right now to take down kim because it's bethany it's kanye it is candace owens coming after her and now ray j and i actually said on my patreon the other week that kanye has been using candace as his mouthpiece to hurt kim i'd been suspecting it because i don't watch candace's show but sometimes because i do look at some conservative political content on youtube the algorithm will recommend me that sometimes so a couple of times i have clicked the candace videos and I saw her randomly like going in on Kim and I'm, you know, about how Kim has set such a bad example on the sex tape and she's terrible. And I was thinking like, I think that, you know, Kanye's been talking to Candace because this seems either that he had been talking to her or at that stage that she was trying to get his attention going, okay, if I come for Kim, then Kanye will like acknowledge me more. And now Ray J is definitely in on that because Candace played this bitchy voicemail. I'm sure you heard it. You probably posted about it. She posted this voicemail from Kim that she clearly got from Ray J and it was supposed to be this like damning thing. And it was clearly like 15 years old and it's just Kim like, Oh my God, Ray J, you are so disgusting. Like, she doesn't even have that voice anymore. It was like season one, Kim. And yeah, I'm everyone like, thought it girl, was Courtney. <laughs> yeah, th- this is your, this is your like, it was like when Rachel Maddow had hyped up when she had Trump's tax returns, it was going to take him down and she teased it all episode. And then at the end, it was like literally like fucking nothing. Um, there was nothing there. Like, but no. she, she's, she's on one for Kim and it's clearly because of Kanye. She is. And it's like funny because I, I ended up watching that episode too. And, you know, she, you know, she made it clear to her, you know, listeners, like, you know, I'm only doing this pop culture stuff because like, this is why we have lost, you know, footing because we have ignored it. And I, and I'm like, girl, stop it. You know what you're doing. Such a grifter. She is. She's so she's so good at what she does in many ways in terms of getting herself publicity. Like at the the premiere of the BLM doco, she had this very orchestrated publicity stunt where she had Ray J and Kanye, you know, attend it with her. And yeah, it got headlines. I also thought I don't think it's going to promote the documentary. I think you just it all it does is make things sort of all about Kim. And um, I don't think that. Look, if you feel like your message with the BLM documentaries is this important and you want to get the word out, like, don't make it about I'm going to have Kardashian, the Kim Kardashian's exes here and stuff. Like, I don't know. I just felt like it was tacky for what is supposed to be, you know, a serious documentary. But I think it's the, the I think she thinks that's the opening for, let's say, people like me to be interested. And like, let's, yeah. I'm not saying she's wrong because I have never, ever paid attention to her and now all of a sudden I've watched her documentary and watched like two of her you know podcasts oh wait well that's very interesting because then maybe that is working because for me I I was always into the YouTube political space so I knew her her account used to be called red pill black I saw it when it was a very small account and I was not a fan of her then because I was listening to all of those conservative commentators at that time. And I could see that she, I'm like, oh, she just took this person's talking points and is, re- but she's repackaged it as I'm a black woman. So it's different, but I could see who she was copying from and stuff. But, you know, I forget that 
even though I'm into that world and I follow all of those like lefty and right wing, like, you know, I just follow all those political influences. Like a lot of people do not. So then for you to say, oh, like now I went and watched a documentary because I saw it with Kanye and Ray J. That's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I had other reasons I wanted to see it too, but (laughs) you know, like I just think it, it opens the door in that way. I still don't think she'll ever win because unfortunately she has like, She's leaned so hard into this persona that she just alienates, like, especially Black women in just such a way. It's like, girl, even if you have good points, I can't platform you because you just, you hate me because you hate you. So, like, I don't even know how I can do that. How can I support you when you hate me? I know what you mean. And one thing with her... Look, we'll talk a little bit about the documentary. There were a few things in there that I thought were really good. There was some stuff in there that I thought was not. Uh, but I I think I feel like I'm very actually objective to Candace Owens compared to most people because, you know, a lot of people that listen to me, they love her. They're huge fans of her. I'm certainly not a Candace Owens, you know, fanboy, but at the same time, I'm not the typical kind of you know, lefty person that has like never listened to her and just will dismiss anything she says because it's Candace Owens. Like I see, I know what she is. She's a, you know, she's a pundit. She's a talking head. She has her talking points. She does it. But like, if she says something that I think is, you know, valid, I'm certainly not going to write it off just because it's Candace Owens. Now I do think that her buddying up to Kanye West, um, not great timing. I know she defended his uh, anti-Semitic tweet and that tweet to me, that just read like a mentally ill person. Didn't like the way that it was written. It just like, oh, you're having a mental, you're, you're mentally ill. This is the problem. Cause obviously I condemn everything he said in that. The reason it was hard was because I was like, oh, now I feel like I am just um, attacking a mentally ill person. And I, I have to stop this at some point because uh, this is a losing battle. He needs help. Um, and yes, I can condemn everything he said, but also like not just be like, somebody help him, please. Well, he's got, he's like Britney. Like they're both clearly unwell. These are two very unwell people in the public eye who don't seem to be medicated and are on one. And, you know, the Britney, the Britney fans like to turn a blind eye because they feel so sympathetic for what she went through with the conservatorship, which, you know, I've always, as crazy as she may be, I've do think the conservatorship was wrong. Um, So I stand by that, but it's like, they don't want to say anything negative about her because, you know, of what she went through with that. So they give it a pass. And then with Kanye West, you know, a lot of conservatives are sort of using him because, you know, it's not often that they get cool people on their side, or if they do, these people, they're not public about it, you know, because they know they'll get canceled by Hollywood. So they can't come out and be conservative. So they finally have someone cool. That's culturally relevant that's on their side and they're using him like the Tucker Carlson interview. Well, I thought that interview was terrible. I thought that one, that a lot of what Kanye said was nonsense. And Hey, I give Tucker props at like, girl, I can come on here one week or go, Oh my God, Tucker's hilarious. I love that segment the next week. I thought that was terrible. So again, I'm actually objective with it. It's just what is in front of me at the time. But I thought that interview was awful. And then we found out that he, edited all this stuff out of it, like more problematic stuff to try and make Kanye look better than he was yeah. and really to cover up the mental the mental illness part of it because you just wanted him on there to say your talking points. Well, yeah, because that was his also his thesis statement was, 
everyone says you're crazy and I'm going to show them why you're not. So obviously I had to edit out all the crazy. <laughs> yeah, I th- that was, girl, that was so wrong. I mean, the, the way they're propping him up, it reminds me of when that, um, that stupid lawyer, that Michael Avenetti, whatever that who i think is he's heading to jail soon but like the left propped him up so much like he was on the view like every week and joy behar was like go you've got to run you need you need to be president take down trump but it's like this guy was clearly just this skeezy like ambulance chasing grifting lawyer and then because you guys have like trump derangement syndrome and you hate trump now you're gonna like elevate him to this level and say you should be the next president they're doing the same conservatives (laughs) are doing that with kanye where it's like you're clearly mentally ill and and uh, talking a lot of shit. Um, so did you watch the Candace documentary? I did. I watched it. I watched it all. <laughs> I watched it too. Um, and I was pretty open-minded with it. So I reviewed the first Daily Wire documentary, which was the Matt Walsh, What is a Woman Transgender one. I was... Um, I'm not a fan of Matt Walsh, which I've said on here before, but I I mean, I've been critical against a lot of the trans stuff with, uh, you know, I don't agree with medicating kids. I don't agree with, you know, I think, I think a lot of people have questions about, well, how easy is it for kids to access, you know, this gender affirming care? Because I think originally we were sort of told like, oh no, it's like really, really hard to get access to this and you've got to go through like, you know, all these steps and, you know, they don't just approve anyone. I think some of us are now thinking, "Mm, it seems like maybe you are approving just anyone and not pushing back on this. So anyway, I was very interested to watch it. And I think I gave it a very fair review in that there was a lot of valid stuff in there and he exposed some stuff, but there was also a lot of like, it was very biased. For one, it practically, it, pretty much didn't even acknowledge that trans people exist. I mean, it basically just said that they were all mentally ill, which is not true. Some people have um, some people have gender dysphoria for whatever reason. The way for them to overcome that is to medically transition and live as the opposite sex, and that makes life easier for them, and that's totally valid. They didn't really acknowledge that as a thing. And then, of course, like the talking heads of the trans people they had in that, it was like, you know, the mentally ill person that thinks that they're a cat. You know, like, oh, I, I'm trans, but I identify as a cat as well. And I like walk around and meow like it, like people like yeah. that. They also um, they tried to link transgenderism to this psychologist that was like basically a pedophile, like this pedophile quack yeah. psychologist. Psycholog- I, I, I told you I was on Daily Wire. I watched oh. the whole right after the BLM. Oh, I watched so this watched doc. I watched it and I was like. So, yeah, I was Googling. I'm like, what? What? Because I was like, yeah. wasn't that a movie that, like, what's his name did? Like, Liam Neeson or Ralph Fiennes or someone? I, I pushed back. Yeah, I pushed back a lot against the um, the thing that the conservatives are doing now with the constant grooming hysteria and, like, you know, every teacher is a pedophile groomer. I've been outspoken because I feel that, to me, is just the right wing's version of the left going everybody is a racist. So, you know, I'm critical of that. So, I felt like they tried to tie it into that. So, but I still, you know, I still would recommend people to watch the documentary if they want to. And I still think there was good and valid and really interesting stuff in there. I just feel like when you watch it, you just take into account that, like, you know, some of this is coming, like, well, you know, there's an agenda with it. It is very biased. Um, just use your own brain, watch it, then do your own research from there. And I kind of felt the same with with the Candace Owens doc. And I know that you, um, you did point out something on your Instagram that looked like there was sort of a discrepancy in there. So, 
There was this influencer, Dana Omari, who has said that she was misrepresented in the documentary because, in a nutshell, she had a fight with the owner of the Kitson Boutique, you know, the iconic uh, boutique in LA that, you know, the girls from the hills and stuff used to go to. That got vandalized in the BLM protests and riots. And then there was this whole thing between them. I can't be bothered going into it all, but she's basically saying that she sent Candace Owens the receipts for her side of the story and it contradicts what she presented in the documentary and that Candace just omitted her side, right? Yeah, pretty much. And like, you know, so it was like, once I kind of knew that I had the other side of that story, it was like, I had to look at the whole documentary through that lens. And like, again, I'm not saying there were not valid points of that documentary. The problem is we don't, we know middle of the road doesn't sell. We know you have to lean all the way in. So she had to lean all the way in. And once you do that, you just lose a bit of credibility because how can I trust anything you're saying? Well, the thing is that, you know, she made it for the subscribe. It's for, you've got to be a subscriber of the Daily Wire to watch these documentaries. So they're making it for that audience. And this is actually, this is where the left has gone wrong because Really, this documentary should have been on, like, Netflix, and then it should have let Candace Owens do it. Then you can have the Netflix fact-checkers from their side come in, do their due diligence. You can have her bringing in her perspective on it. It can be on a mainstream platform. Everyone can see it. We can all talk about it. We can talk about, was this part accurate? Was this part inaccurate? And we can kind of dissect it. But it's like, Netflix is never going to put an anti-BLM documentary on, even if they wanted to and they thought it would make money. You know, they they would have Ashley Marie Preston at the front of the fucking Netflix thing with the protest of going, you're you're killing- She blocked too. (laughs) (laughs) Of course she did. Going, you're killing people by airing this and they wouldn't be able to air it. Um, I- I still liked it, and I liked the second half a lot more with the financials, which I found very interesting. You know, there's a lot of big allegations in there about whether Derek Chauvin had a fair trial. Did George Floyd die from the knee on the neck, or did he die from a drug overdose? You know, I don't know. Like, that would be something I've got to look more into. I have not looked at that side of the thing. Honestly, I just went by the side that the media said on it, so... You know, she seemed to have some good points in there about, like, did he ingest all of these drugs and stuff? Like, that's interesting to me because it did, I mean, it changed the, it's a, this is a, an event that changed the world. So it changed the world. And even if he had taken every single drug, I still watched the tape. And at the end of the day, that cop did not need to have his knee anywhere on his neck, near his neck. So, like, I'll never agree with that. And, you know, we, I think we'll always, I think that's where we will always disagree. I will never agree with that. What I will agree with is like, I wanted to, to see more of the financials. Um, because I was talking with my friend the other day, we were saying how we didn't even realize Black Lives Matter was an actual organization until this. Black Lives Matter had always just been a movement for us. We always just thought it was a movement. We legitimately did not realize there was an organization that was being fed money, right? And so I think there's that side of it too, because I want people to understand that like as Black people as a community, we've been moving forward with like, when we say Black Lives Matter, nobody's saying that other people's lives don't matter. And I hate this argument. I hate this argument all. Like we're just saying that like, we matter. That's that's simple. Like it, 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 it's simple as that. 
Now, finding out it was an organization that raised $80 million. Okay, wow. Now, yeah, I want to see where that money went because, again, like I talked about at the beginning, like, has my life changed? at all you know nothing's like, changed girl and that's and, and and that's what it's you know it's coming to like even you know every single person every i'll say woke person around me who you know was vowing to make changes in their organization in their company you know with diversity and all this i haven't gotten any f- extra jobs i haven't gotten any extra money i haven't gotten any extra opportunities other than the ones i've created for myself and i thought that like black lives matter was meant to like create these spaces so that it could be i could have more access to those and 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 i i will say none of that happened and for that reason alone look you don't think i sit in my fucking apartment sometimes like maybe i'll just go to the right because <laughs> <laughs> Then I'll make some money because I'm serious. Like I'm not making money on the woke side. I just get a bunch of people telling me they're fucking woke. Okay. For fucking, (laughs) give me a fucking job. Like help me the fuck out. You know? Okay. If you're not going to do it, then I, maybe I'll go over here where people just want to hear my voice with my skin color and they'll pay me a million dollars a fucking month. I don't know. (laughs) Well, that's the thing as well is when people attack me and they say I'm like a, you know, a big right winger or whatever, Girl, do you think I couldn't make more money if I went full conservative? Like, I give my opinion, whatever it is. If one week I might be criticizing Candace Owens, the next week I could be, you know, praising Ron DeSantis. Who knows? Like, it is whatever I feel at that time. If I wanted to, I could lean and do the full-on the right-wing talking point for everything, but I'm all over the place. I'm left on some stuff. I'm right on other things. Like, so, but yes, if you go on one side or the other, you can make, especially I think if you go more there, because the conservatives need more minorities to come on and, and speak up for their stuff. So yes, you can do better. Well, yeah, because the left is a flooded market. Let me tell you, there's <laughs> a bunch of big black bitches over here and uh, they're, <laughs> I'm fighting, I'm fighting for my space over here. Well, with the um, with the Candace doc, by the way, I agree with you about the. I wasn't like condoning the Derek. I wasn't saying Derek Chauvin's innocent or whatever. Like I kind of feel the same. That's why I didn't really. The first half of the documentary was like that and about like oh, wasn't like Derek Chauvin such an amazing guy? That was not really of interest to me because I felt like well, someone either if it's like manslaughter, like it's still yeah. manslaughter, even you know whatever. But um, the financials was where. It got really fucking juicy, and I actually have been following this for a while. So, for people that don't know, okay, so they raised, I think it was like 90 million, and it was 80 or 90. Um, Patrice Cullors, who's been running it, this has sort of been exposed. Again, it's a, it has been covered by leftist media a bit now, like New Yorker and stuff, but it does get the most coverage in like New York Post and Daily Mail and stuff. But she basically used the money to buy a bunch of property, these multi-million dollar homes, including one in Toronto. Uh, she used them for personal use. One point she threw an inauguration party for Joe Biden, which to be to be fair, BLM shouldn't be it should actually be um nonpartisan. Like Absolutely. so I don't think you I don't think you should be throwing any for any side. Um then this was I did not know about this. A lot of the money went to all these transgender charities, which was cr- like a lot of transgender and LGBT charities. Yeah. And they weren't they weren't all like black trans women. Like some of them were, but other ones were just general transgender LGBT charities. And then you find out that Patrice, who is a lesbian, I guess, her wife is some kind of transgender non-conforming um person. And so then you think, well, is Patrice's like wife? influencing her to give money to these charities and then um 
Patrice was, uh, she was paying all these, which I knew about this already. She was basically paying money to people in her circle, like um, her baby's father and her brother, and she would hire them under the organization to do, oh, you're going to do a security, and the salary is like almost a million dollars for the year. It's like, okay, I think we know where this money is going. Mm -hmm. Um, There was some other dodgy real estate deal where they bought it at a certain price, and then I think they got sold so they could pocket some money off of that. Um. Oh, one thing I didn't know, and actually, I'd always thought this was a right-wing conspiracy, which I guess it's not. A lot of the money is going to train protesters and activists and to bail funds. Um, I was not cool with that because I feel like the BLM, let's just call them riots now. I don't think we have to be PC and say they were pro- Look, of course, yes, there were some protests. There was also a lot of fucking riots. It caused a billion dollars in damage. So I feel like after <laughs> causing a billion dollars then to know that the money raised is going to like train more protesters and bail them out. He, okay, here's my thing. Look, and I agree with all of that. Like absolutely like, you know, well, okay. I let let's look at the little differences in the in how she talked about the documentary. Even when she talked about Patrice, right? She could have said she gave the father of her children million dollars. She's like she gave her baby daddy like that stuff because what she's trying to imply is this like form of ghetto so that's when candace like pisses me off wait wait but can i just interject i feel like i've seen this criticism before about baby daddy i feel like baby daddy is actually i feel like it's become normal slang now like i feel like white people will say only because gen z has definitely like adhere like this whole AAVE, Gen Z really has like glommed on to like black language. And so that's why I think it's become popularized. But when people like Candace use it, I know what she's trying to get at, which is why it pisses me off. It's like, I obviously I say baby daddy. When Candace says it, I know she's trying to say something. So anyways. But, but if it's still true, if it's still true, what does it matter if she said baby daddy or not? The fact is still that he got Because that Candace just, yeah. But Candace wants to also just imply, like, this is what, like, black people do is, like, what I'm hearing. And, like, white people do this, too. That's the thing. Like, everybody overpays. Like, if you look at the Trump organization, I'm sure people in his circle got paid way too much for what they were doing, right? And we would just say, you know, oh, you know, they went to Harvard or whatever. So, yeah, nobody should have gotten paid a million dollars for security when you're a mural. I think either her brother or like the guy was a murals. He was a mural artist. (laughs) He did murals and he got paid a million dollars for security. That absolutely should have never happened. Um, And then, yeah, like I do question like, why was all of this money going to organizations that were just like, seemed solely focused on LGBTQ and like, where was like the black youth or like, you know, I was trying to find like, where did the money go to help with, police brutality in this country or like, you know, helping people, you know, get out of jail. Like, you know, if we're going to bail people out, why don't we bail bail people out? But like, was it for protesters or was it just, Oh, okay. Yeah. You mean real shit. I mean, people who are locked up in Rikers killing themselves for, for minimal charges, you know, like, why are we, you know, those sorts of things. Like I would like to see money go there. And then, yeah, I mean, Look, I would understand if property was being purchased because the whole thing about generational wealth, right, is because we don't own land. We never got our 40 acres of a mule. So if you're purchasing land so that we can create our own reparations for black people, okay, I'm all for it. But if you're just sitting in your gated Topanga mansion that, you know, 
Candace rolls up on and you refuse to open that was, the door. You would admit that was funny when Candace oh, showed yeah, up. I mean, I, look, I was like, that was, you know, like, look, I know it was edited, to, you know, because, you know, we see Patrice like on live c- crying that Candace is out there threatening or t- demanding she comes out and Candace is just sitting there like, hello, hello, and make it seem <laughs> nice. Like, I don't know if that's exactly how it went down, but, you know, <laughs> it was... <laughs> Um, but yeah, like I, and then, yeah, and why are you buying, you know, and, and, you know, they say they invested $32 million in the stock market and, you know, where, where was that money invested, right? Like if you're investing in the stock market, okay, well, maybe it was for black, <laughs> you able to create black wealth, but I don't know. I don't know where that money we went. We want to say the receipt. Yeah. If you just invested in Apple stock, like, yeah, we have problems, right? Um, and one of the houses that she bought, I think the most expensive one, it was uh, a content house so black creators could go there and make content. I just think that's such a crock of shit. Like, I know that we, you know, live in a social media age now and content creation's important and stuff. But like you said, that money is better used for, you know, say someone locked up on Rikers Island and minimal charges. Girl, someone Kamala locked up for these low, these low offending drug offenses, girl. Like, let's get them out. Yeah. Not, um, not a content house so you can make TikTok. Like, I mean, what are you going to say in the fucking – we've all seen these woke TikToks. Most of them are a load of shit. It's just a bunch of progressive talking points that do nothing, you know. And then we see, you know, these grants, you know, like the biggest grant that came out was to this guy who supposedly owns some coffee houses in L.A. that that she had, you know, befriended in 2019. And so, you know, look, I know, again, things were edited for television. Did she try to call all of these organizations and did they all legit go to dead phones and only one of them picked up? I don't know because I know the magic of editing. But if like... If literally these lines just go to nowhere and none of them have filed tax returns and uh, there's no answer for what happened with these grants, like that's a fucking problem, you know? And obviously, I mean, Patrice has resigned, right? She's no longer part of the organization. And I don't know what the next step is. Like, does she have to answer for it? I mean, maybe that's why they're not filing the tax returns because once they do... (laughs) The IRS yeah, is going to come sniffing. I don't know. I mean, I think it's safe. I think it's, in my opinion, I'm saying it's a scam now, like Kanye. I don't care. And I agree with the movement, but I also feel like I don't need to, you know, I don't want to have to add a fucking qualifier every time. It's a scam, but I agree. Like, I do agree with the movement. You know what I mean? Like, I do. I agree with that movement. I don't agree with that organization and where the money went. And I think that people should call it a scam because it's not, this isn't just any charity that just took like this was a cultural movement that they had these protests internationally around the world they had um you know i feel like this created such a climate where in the meet it was like becoming like spot the racist you know like anyone like you you look back at some of the people that did get cancelled from some of the stuff like it's you look at it again, even like the Chris Harrison bachelor thing, like that was not enough to have him fired, but it's like people were so on edge. And I feel like being Australian, when I look at Americans with the race stuff, I feel like Americans have so much kind of unresolved guilt and trauma from obviously the history of slavery, which it wasn't that long ago. Um, And they don't know how to deal with it properly. And then it ends up sort of manifesting in very bizarre ways, like, you know, like how people act with the housewives and stuff. Like, you know, and you were saying like, what did, what changed for BLM? It's like, I had a tweet and I got in trouble for it, of course, but I just said something like, what did BLM do? Like it got Ebony hired on the housewives of New York and 
did anything else change? Like, and it caused a billion dollars in in riot damage. I mean, I was looking up with the news. Like, Biden increased the increased the police budget recently, gave more money. But I thought the whole thing was defund the police and take the money. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, girl, what changed? Like, what changed? And money. Se- I'm sorry, crime seems to be worse than ever now. Obviously, I'm here in Australia and I just see things in my feed. But it looks like there's a lot of fucking crime going on. So I don't know what's happened. I mean, you know, I think that like, has crime increased? I don't know. I've always lived in New York and now I live in LA. And so I feel like crime is just like a part of life. So I've never noticed like an increase or decrease. But, you know, I think you like we talked about before, like the way we sort of can turn a blind eye to a housewife we like who has a problematic history. We do the same with our politicians. Like, I am not, you could never say that I was a Biden supporter. What you could say is that like Trump scares the fuck out of me and whatever I need to do to make that not happen, I'm trying to make that not happen. And that's not, I I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live the way where I'm just like, I just want out of a situation. So I just pick a situation. That's not a healthy way to live because, you know, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's the climate is weird. And I feel like that's why I talk about certain things just less now, because what I realize is I just have a lot of maybe white people who all like will agree with me and pump me up, but they're not actually providing anything other than that, other than getting me riled up and getting angry with me. And I'm like, but what are you doing to support me and make the change? Like, help me move forward (laughs) the changes need i mean if you're talking about change like these are like systemic things like these are things to do with you know economics and 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 poverty because you know poverty breeds crime it's not like um let me make sure that this podcaster didn't accidentally use a microaggression or something like girl you you, y'all need to start looking at a bigger level than some of this you know everyone needs to like Ebony Williams. Like, well, yeah, <laughs> there's more going gonna, on. Yeah, we're just going to end up in this miserable world. Like, literally, we're going to cut every access to, like, anything off because we're just going to say everything is terrible. And I'm just like, and, it, and that's like, no, I don't want to live in that world. I feel so bad for Americans right now with your political, like, prospects. Like, I do not know... I'd, I actually would be a non-voter, I think, if I... I don't know. I would either... Definitely would not be voting Democrat at this point. I would not. I did like DeSantis because I agreed with all of his stuff with the COVID thing. So, I was, everyone knows that I was so against all the mandates and stuff. But then post that, I haven't liked a lot of what he's done at all. Um, so, I was really just with him for the COVID because I was... You know, I just think he's... Whatever. Who cares? But... Um, And then the Democrats, I think, are just a fucking disaster. And it's, you know, I don't want Trump back. Like, it's just, I feel like there's no one to root for. Because at least before, I used to really like Bernie. I liked Tulsi Gabbard. You know, I liked different people. And now I feel like there's, like, no one really. Well, that's the thing. And I think think what it's come to now is, like, get into a state you like and really root hard for your local representatives. Because the way things are... It is going to like it kind of doesn't matter what happens at the federal level because like it's all such bullshit. So just like let's find a state where I can fucking make money and be happy. (laughs) Yo, I agree with that. (laughs) 
Um, so what else is going on with you? You've got a new podcast, right? Because yeah. you're doing the I'm Sorry podcast. Now you've got your Talk of Shame podcast. Yeah, Kiki with the Talk of Shame. It's uh, I only have like, you know, it's really new, but it's going to be more me or it is pretty much all me. You know, I'm sure you'll come on it one day and then I'll get yelled <laughs> yes. at again. But yeah, it's just the same thing um, I do online. Just like what the headlines are about, giving my hot takes on it and just going like a little bit deeper. Um, you know, I know I got a lot of followers during the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial and I want to get back to more of that because there's actually like some really cool celebrity cases like Brad and Angie and I mean Harvey and Danny Masterson and so um, I'm going to talk about some more trial celebrity trial stuff and all that stuff and do you enjoy doing that or do you feel like you have to do it now because it's what got you all the followers I know I love doing it like that was the thing like I when I the first day I did it was purely because I had nothing to do that day and the, and the trial was starting and I knew people were interested and I said oh let me do a recap and then I just was like oh my god this is actually really fun it's it sucks though because most trials aren't televised so it's like do I send myself to the courthouse to take notes like a reporter I don't know that seems like way too hard so uh, <laughs> Um, especially when I'm not getting paid to do it. So. <laughs> I know. It's, I mean, it's a lot. I even feel like some, there's topics I want to do on my pod. And then sometimes I think, God, this is like too much research for this, you know, especially because I still work full time and everything. But you've done really good at pivoting away from Bravo because I think you did start out being more Bravo centric and now you've been able to incorporate all this other stuff, which is what I've been trying to do lately because I'm just very. I'm fatigued by a lot of the shows, but I also find, like, a lot of the time there's just not much to dig into there that's, like, interesting to debate. Like, I find Beverly Hills interesting all the time, so I still cover that a lot, and I find that's, like, a broad show that a lot of people do watch. But a lot of the other one things, it's just like, okay, well, this happened and that happened, and it's just, like, there's nothing to talk about. It's a very superficial. And I guess what's, like, also frustrating is that, like, um, you know, that real girlfriends of Paris show is actually really good, but nobody. Everyone, about everyone it. that has watched that says that that's a good show. Everyone, I haven't watched it. Like it's getting really good feedback, and it's you know the ratings are terrible apparently, and it'll probably not be renewed. And I guess I just wish Bravo, you know, they get so much free marketing because Bravo holics are you know rabbit, and I just feel like if they took just a little bit of effort sometimes and reached out to accounts like mine, accounts like yours that like, Hey, here's, here's some screeners for the the season ahead. And like, maybe we'll throw you like a little like PR box on top of it. So when you watch it, I would totally promote that show. But now it's like, I feel jaded. Cause I'm like, well, what well, they're known, they're known for not embracing a lot of influences and then they're very selective with the podcasters like they sort of have their little clique of people that they work with and then it's very hard for others to break through if i ever get screeners or pr stuff it's only through my daily mail connection it's not through it's not through my podcast at all and it's sad because it's like i don't know like real girlfriends it's definitely giving like you know gallery girl like it's it, it feels like it's kind of back to like just other than housewives. And I would like to see something other than housewives. I mean, I watch below deck and like, that's great. And that's why I think below deck does so well. Cause people are like really wanting something other than housewives all the time because it's, it's so well made. I talk about it a lot. It's and it's so anyone can watch it. It's kind of like the perfect show. Like it has everything. Yeah. It's awesome. So 
It's sad. We probably won't see those real girlfriends. I don't even know. I wonder if they even got invited to BravoCon. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't even think of that. They probably didn't. The ratings are like 120,000 or something. Like it's so bad. But a few other people messaged me. And yeah, I um I actually got asked to interview them for Daily Mail, not for my podcast. And I said no, because I'm like, well, I'm not watching it. It's also, I've got like too much to watch. Even having to watch the Candace documentary, like that sort of wasn't I wasn't initially planning to watch that until you would sort of mention to me, like, are you going to watch? And I thought, oh, maybe I should before we record. And even that, like, took up, you know, some of my watch time of, like, what I, because there's just so much to get through. It's like. There's so much. I just, like, binged. I was like, before this, I was like, I want to watch this Watcher, the new Ryan Murphy me too. Netflix. So I was like, I'm binging it, even though I have literally 40 things to do. And I was like, I don't <laughs> care. I'm binging it. I know, and I just got a PS5, so now I'm fucking playing, (laughs) wasting time. I was playing it last night while I was, like, working. I was, like, running away from the desk to, like, play a quick game, and I'm like, I need to, like, not. This is just going to waste my life. Um, Are you going to – do you think you're going to pivot back to TikTok? Are you staying – because, like, do you get nervous with people saying, like, Instagram's, you know, over, it's dying? Like, I know you do very well on Instagram. You know, I'm doing – I mean, I'm, like, very tiny on there, but – um, you know, I feel like I have very good engagement and story views and like responses to my stories and stuff. But, you know, I do feel like, you know, I should probably get over on TikTok at some point. I just, it feels very daunting because I feel like you've got to really commit to it. You do. Um, and I, and I feel like it's more daunting because I have this audience that has like seen me disappear for a while. And I, you know, I pop every back once in a while, but I will re-engage. I think now that I'm starting the podcast and, um, I'm having more you know, broader conversations because I was doing a lot of Bravo on my TikTok for sure. Um, I think I can inch back in there, but I don't, Instagram's never going to go away. Like it's still just like. Girl, they said that about Facebook and MySpace. I know, but like Facebook still is not, I mean, come on, like in order to like promote an ad, you still need a Facebook account. Like it yes, just, as long true. as companies exist that like, and they'll be around for the next 50 years. Instagram and Facebook will still be relevant. And, you know, you have to stay relevant to TikTok because you're, it's going to get old. You're going to be an old person on those platforms. But yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. I'm like, God, you know, I want to get get some new people coming over, like reach a new audience. But well, I'm going to get some I'm trying to buy some uh, Oculus uh, goggles and, and get into the metaverse because I heard you can become a stripper in the metaverse and make money that way. So I was like, this is a whole new. <laughs> I used to do that on Second Life. Have you ever played Second Life? I haven't. Oh, that was like the first metaverse. It's still going. And it's kind of what they're trying to do now. And you create an avatar. It's like a Sims thing, but like everyone in there is real. You could do anything in there. So I was like... I think I joined it when I was like 19 or something. I made an avatar. I was stripping in the club on there <laughs> for men. And then they give you money in the game and then you can cash out that money for real money. But you actually need to earn a lot. Like you've got to be like, oh, I'm escorting in there and stuff. But I really just used the, mo- <laughs> I just used the money to like buy new clothes for my avatar. I didn't like try and cash it out. Oh, my God. Um, Anyway, this was so much fun. Um, thank you for, for coming back and still being my friend, even though people tell you not to talk to me. Um, I do appreciate it. <laughs> and Hopefully I think you don't lose any friends because you're talking to me. 
<laughs> oh my god, I, I bet I'll get, I'll get a. You will get some messages saying I couldn't believe that guy saying that. You know, whatever, whatever. I kind of remember what I said, and then I'm going to get some people saying, "Oh, why did you have her on? She was so woke. Like <laughs> all you did was bash Candace Owens. Like so, we're <laughs> we're both going to get it." <laughs> anyway, where can people follow you? Um, at the Talk of Shame on Instagram and TikTok, and follow my pod Kiki with the Talk of Shame wherever you get your podcasts. Guys, all the links will be in the show notes and I'll see you all next week. Bye.